for unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath, and cast ye that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Today, we got a lot to cover and not that much time, so we're going to be digging right in. We are ready for chapter 25, the gospel according to Matthew. Chapter 25 is just a continuation of the Olivet Disclosure. So we did chapter 24 last week. Chapter 25 continues that, but it continues it with three parables to demonstrate how the kingdom of God works, and specifically about the return of our Messiah. So really what he's saying is, here's a short story to kind of explain to you how this situation works. And just so you know, he's continuing that theme of, you don't know when I'm coming, so you need to be ready. So we have the parable of the ten virgins. A lot of people have opinions about that. We have the parable of the talents. And of course we have the separation of the sheeps and the goats. So, let's dig in. I'm going to be sharing some decent amount of commentary with you today from Matthew Henry. Um, to give you some thoughts on what might be being said here again. Just, uh, just like last week, I'm not interested in arguing over prophecy. I'm going to share with you what the Word of God says. I'll give you some commentary and I'll give you my thoughts. Um, but, I don't have all the answers and newsflash, neither do any of you. And uh, we have to approach prophecy with great humility. So with that, let me start by just reading this short little paragraph from F.B. Meyer, dealing with these, um, uh, with these thoughts. He says, three remarkable parables occupy this chapter and follow a marked sequence of thought. First, we are called upon to look to ourselves and to be sure that we are prepared to enter the wedding feast, that is, to enter into the holiest and closest union with our Lord. Many are called into that union of thought and prayer and service, but alas, how few there are who approve themselves as chosen for that inner intimacy. We must see to it that our hearts are pure, with virginal purity, and that the light is ever burning in our hearts, though the continuing outpouring, inpouring of the oil of the Holy Spirit. So just right off the bat, F.B. Meyer is, he's kind of hinting lightly at the idea that the oil and the lamps uh, that we're getting ready to read about represent the Holy Spirit. 
I think it's a reasonable thought. Um, I'm certainly not opposed to that idea. Let me read it to you, and then I'll give you a little bit of commentary. So we got 13 verses for the first parable, the parable of the ten virgins. Let's begin. Verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Please note. The end of the parable tells you what the whole point of the parable is. What the actual warning is. Watch, therefore. Why? For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. This whole thing is about being ready. We have two groups here. One took oil in their lamps. They thought ahead. They prepared ahead. They were, they were making sure that they themselves would be ready when the call came. The other ones approached it with casualness. Yeah, they'd got their lamps, but they didn't take any extra oil. This is not the only parable where Jesus warns about your attitude if he doesn't come at a time that you're expecting. He delays. Remember the wicked servant said, My master delays in his coming, and he goes back to his sin. He begins to drink with the drunken and to beat the servants, and then the Lord comes, and his portion is appointed with the hypocrites. There's an attitude here. Here's Matthew Henry's commentary, or just a paragraph. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on commentary, but I want to give you some perspectives. Here's some thoughts from him. The circumstances of the parable of the ten virgins were taken from the marriage customs among the Jews and explained the great day of Christ's coming. See the nature of Christianity. As Christians, we profess to attend upon Christ to honor him, also to be waiting for his coming. Sincere Christians are the wise virgins and hypocrites, the foolish ones. Those are the truly wise or foolish that are so in the affairs of their soul. 
Many have a lamp of profession in their hands, but have not in their hearts sound knowledge and settled resolution, which are needed to carry them through the service and trials of the present state. Their hearts are not stored with holy dispositions by the new creating spirit of God. In other words, they're, they're Christian in name only. And here's the thing. When Messiah returns, you're either ready or you're not. Notice what happens. He comes in the wise versions, they enter in. What are the other ones doing? Scrambling to try to get right. What's too late? You're either right when, he's, when he comes or you're not. If he returns and you're not right, it's too late. What do they do? They're banging on the door. Lord, Lord, let us in. I never knew you, he says. I never knew you. Now, let's move on to the next parable, which I think is even more convicting, potentially frightening, Let's have a look at it. Parable of the talents. The greatest warning there's ever been, in my opinion, in the Word of God, even though it's filled with warnings about this, against laziness. Check this out. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So please know, right out of the gate, it's pretty obvious what's being described here. It's God has left his servants in charge of the work of the kingdom of God. Verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, and unto two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made other five talents. And likewise he that had received two, he also granted or gained the other two. So the first two, they go out and they multiply. God's given them some talents. And I think this can represent all kinds of things. It can represent resources. It can represent skill sets. Um, whatever the work is that God's given you to do. Some of us, it's as simple as the two or three people you work with every day. Some of us, uh, if, for me, it's, it's the podcast. And I'm, I'm so incredibly blessed to have been given this. Um, some of you it might just be volunteering at church or whatever it is. He's given us some skills, some abilities, some resources to further the kingdom of God. You don't have, it doesn't mean, you know, the, the thing, so you have one who was given five, right? So that person's really been given an abundance and of skills and resources and it, and he used them and he multiplied it but the one was only given two so he it's a smaller work but he still multiplied the work right he still did something with it 
even though it was smaller. So let's continue on. But he that had received one digged in the earth and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so that he had received five talents, came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained besides them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Please note, just a side thought. I've got a lot of ambitions and goals in life. But nothing comes close to this goal, which is to hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. There is no sweeter words that can be said to a person than to hear this from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your inheritance. Verse 22, And he that also had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliveredest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there thou hast is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I haven't strawed. Thou ought therefore to have put my money in exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine with usury. In other words, he's saying you should have put it with the bank, and I at least would have got some interest. Verse 28, Take therefore the talent from him, and give it to him which hath ten talents. For under every one that hath shall be given, and he that hath shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, and that which he hath. And cast ye that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, on the surface, one might be foolish enough to think that this is dealing with some types of works religion. This is about your true heart. Again, what's the one statement that I make over and over and over? Actions matter because your actions demonstrate what you truly believe. James says, I'll show you my faith by what I do. Right? Also, notice the wicked servant's attitude about God. Here's what Matthew Henry says about that. To those who think it impossible to please God and in vain to serve Him will do nothing to purpose in religion. They complain that he requires of them more than they are capable of and punishes them for what they cannot help. Whatever they may pretend, the fact is, they dislike the character and the work of the Lord. The slothful servant is sentenced to be deprived of his talent. 
I feel like that is brilliantly put. That's the heart of it. The heart is they they don't like the Lord. <laughs> That's just the truth. They think his work is in vain. They think he's too harsh. That's really at the heart of it. Matthew Henry also says, Christ keeps no servant to be idle. They have received their all from him and have nothing they can call their own but sin. Our receiving from Christ is in order to our working for him. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. If you've been called by God, he's not called you to just do nothing. And he's not a harsh master. He's not asking you to do much. He's asking you to do something. Bear fruit. A good tree cannot bear evil fruit, and an evil tree cannot bear good fruit. But everybody's bearing something. Let's read the last part here. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. So at the very end, when it's all over, everyone from all nations are going to be gathered. And then you're going to be put either with the sheep or with the goats. A theory I have. So let's do a disclosure. The disclosure is, this is Sean's theory. So don't take it too far. Something I've observed is that the sheep are often worried that they might be goats. It's... To them, it's frightening, that idea. They care. They examine themselves to make sure they're in the faith. The goats, they arrogantly and ignorantly think they're sheep. They never even have questioned that they're a goat. So I think that the goat line is going to be a bunch of shocked people. All right, theory of Sean over. Let's read the rest of this and let the word of God speak for itself. Verse 33, And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me meat, and when I was thirsty, you gave me drink, and when I was a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, and fed thee, and thirsty, and gave thee drink? And when saw thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. 
short thought here. All the people out there that think that, I call them the greasy gracers. They don't think their actions matter or they've got some nice little pretty pet doctrines in their hearts to make them feel better about the fact that their actions don't matter. None of your pet doctrines, none of of those comfort blankets you've been using are going to do you any good when you have to stand before God and everything is open. Your intent, your thoughts, your actions. This whole chapter has been about bearing fruit. I'm sorry if that makes people uncomfortable. We all need to examine ourselves daily, including me. This is just as convicting for me as it is anybody else behind listening. The theme here, just before we wrap it up with this parable, is what you've done to your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. You've done unto the Lord. But if you've ignored them, ignored their needs, you have done that unto the Lord. Then his shall he say, verse 41, Unto them on his left hand, apart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Why are, why are the goats going into hell? Eternal fire. Verse 42, For when I was hungered, you gave me no meat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. And when I was a stranger, you took me not in naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and you visit me not. Then shall they answer him, saying, Lord, when saw thee hungered or thirst, and stranger or naked and sick or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it unto me. And he shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. That is how chapter 25 ends. That whole last parable. Does he say anything about the worldly people? These, All these parables are dealing with people. Listen closely. You can, you can th- think I'm, I'm off base here if you want. But from the perspective that I'm reading, looks to me like all of these are dealing with people who are either in the faith or think they're in the faith. The parable of the wise virgins, right? All ten of them think they're in the faith. The parable of the servants, we're all dealing with people who are serving God, or at least hypocritically serving God. And then the last one, the separation of the sheep and goats. He doesn't say, depart from me, you didn't believe in me at all, you, or you didn't think I was Lord. He says, your actions demonstrated that you didn't really know me. You were a goat. You thought you were a sheep, but you were actually a goat. I pray that this has pierced many hearts and has caused you to draw closer to the Lord. May his mercy be upon all of us. 
including myself, and may he give us all the right heart, the right motives to further the kingdom of God, not to earn some salvation, but because of our salvation. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.